My Redeemer lives. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me. Long life's narrow way. I am uh, thankful that uh, He lives within my heart. I remember that day like it was yesterday. It's been thirty, almost thirty-four years ago for me now, and and that that moment just doesn't. You know how memories dim after a while. Things uh, things kind of fade. Uh, so some of the most important things in my life are like that. You know, it's been so long since I've seen my mother's face that uh, I have to look at pictures every once in a while. You know, to get a good image of her in my head again. Uh, sometimes I go too long without seeing it again. But boy, that moment that I met Jesus Christ, that didn't go away. It's just as real and as fresh. Good song, brother. He lives. He's still alive. He's alive in my heart. He's alive in my mind. He's alive in my life. One day He's coming back for me. Amen. If you missed the sunrise service this morning, boy, what a good time we had. We, uh, we talked about um, when Lazarus died. And of course, you know the story that uh, Martha and Mary, they were Lazarus' sisters. They were very close friends of our Lord Jesus Christ. And His disciples came to Him and, and told Him that Lazarus was about to die. The Bible says that He tarried there. You know, instead of running to Lazarus' side, even if it was just to sit on the bed and to hold his hand and to comfort him while he passed from this life to the next, uh, or whether it was there to to resurrect, to heal him uh, and to save his, his life, he could have done that. But instead, he just sat there. He stayed there, slept there for three more days, and then it was about a day's journey. By the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead for four days and uh, Lazarus' sister came to him and said, uh, Lord, if you'd have been here, boy, if you'd have just showed up earlier, uh, our brother had not died. He wouldn't have died if you'd have been here. And uh, Jesus asked her, He says, where, where is He? Uh, show me. He's in the tomb. He says, well, go. Let's roll away the stone. And he says, she said, oh, no, 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 no. You, you don't want to do that. He's, he's been in there four days. Now, of course under uh, Jewish tradition and, of course, probably a little experience, they realized that on the fourth day, corruption had set in. And that uh, even though they didn't have the best embalming practices in the world, um, that he, he, she told him plain, he, he stinketh by now. He don't, he don't want to roll that stone away. And uh, the Lord looked at her and said, um, do, do you not understand that, uh, that I am the resurrection? She says, oh, I know if, if you say so, he'll, he'll be resurrected at the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man were dead, yet shall he also live. Though a man were dead, yet shall he live. Do you understand what he's saying there? That, that it's not only, um, though a man were dead, yet shall he live. Uh, in the sweet by and by, apple pie in the sky, one day when I die, God's going to raise me from the dead and I get to go to heaven. But Jesus was saying, even now in the tomb, I am Lord not only over the dead, but Lord over the stinking dead. And I, I believe everybody mostly in this room knows my history and where I came from. Listen, I, I was stinking dead. I was so dead, so lost, so separated from God. I, I had nothing to do with Him and, and didn't, didn't want to. 
And he showed up in my life. It, it was just like Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus is in the tomb. He's asleep. Uh, he's dead. And uh, not looking for the Lord. Not looking for resurrection. Not looking for anything. He had no hope. He was dead. That's the way dead people are. They don't know they're dead. They, they don't realize they, they have a need. And God showed up in that tomb where I was at. Reached into my heart. Illuminated my mind. Regenerated my soul. Drew me to Himself and saved my soul. He resurrected me. I, I was dead. And I know the resurrection is true. Because now I'm alive. I once was dead and now I'm alive. Uh, Romans chapter 6 is talking about that. That, uh, that I, I once was, was dead to God and alive to sin. But now I'm dead to sin and alive to God. And, and it's only because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ had have lived the sinless, perfect life, if He'd have gone through the cross and, and died for my sin, but not been resurrected, then the resurrection would have been, or the, the crucifixion and the life that He lived would have been valueless. It would have been worthless. It would have not profited anybody anything. Now, if He'd have went to the cross, shed His blood and died and rose from the dead, if He'd have had any sin in His life, then the other two would have had no meaning. They would have been worthless. But Paul in this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to turn there with me. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 through 26. The title of my message this morning for Easter is, If Christ Be Not Risen. If Christ Be Not Risen. Well, there's a lot of ifs in there. Of course, we ultimately know that, well, Christ was risen. Christ did raised from the dead. God did bring Him back to life. But what if? What if Christ had not been raised from the dead? You know, Jesus asked Martha the question, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man were dead, yet shall he live. Believest thou this? That was the title of the message this morning. Believest thou this? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Not only that I will be resurrected, but I can rise, uh, raise Lazarus from the dead. I can raise you from the dead. Not only physically raise you from the dead, but even spiritually raise you from the dead at any moment that I desire. Whenever I'm ready, I can turn your light on. I can illuminate. I can regenerate. I can wake you up from the condition that you're in. God has that power. Uh, nobody else does. I, as the pastor of this church, certainly don't. Uh, we talked um, a, a little bit uh, Wednesday night, and, and I talked at uh, the prison, uh, you know, about the cross. Uh, the cross. I preached on the cross. And, but, but is there anything really special about the cross other than it is an instrument of death? And not only is it an instrument of death, it was an instrument of death for, for literally hundreds of thousands of people back during that day. One cross was no different than the other until Christ came along. The only thing that made the cross special was the person that hung on it. And that Jesus Christ hung there and shed His blood and died for our sins. But the cross in and of itself, you can have faith in the cross and the cross will leave you right where it found you lost. Because the cross has no special power in and of itself. You can believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. But if the blood of Jesus Christ wasn't the blood of the precious Son of God, God in the flesh that hung on that cross and died for our sins and then rose again, then the blood of Christ would still also be valueless. 
The Word of God, the church, all of these things are without, without power, without meaning, without the personage of Jesus Christ, the one behind the scenes, the one that it's really all about, giving His life and dying for our sins after living a 33-year sinless, perfect life and then being raised from the dead. Will you look at 1 Corinthians 15? And we're going to begin in verse 12. Not only did Christ ask the sisters, uh, believest thou this, but, but Paul here in these verses, you know, why, why did Paul have a belief, you know, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was so essential to the gospel? Without it, nothing else works. Without it, everything else in, is in vain. Well, the reason is because it proves uh, four, I have four. I know there's a lot more than that. But it proves there are four, at least four great facts which can make all the difference to a man's view of life here in this world and in the hereafter in the next world. Well, in verse 12, it says this, Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? You know, there are people even today, of course, that say life is in this world and this life is the only life that we have. And once you're dead, you're dead like a rover. You're just dead all over. Uh, cessation of existence, annihilation. It is the doctrine of annihilism that once you are dead, you'll never ever be alive again. There is no such thing as the resurrection. But of course, we realize that Christ blows that theory out of the water. Verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? So what Paul is doing is theorizing. Well, there are those who say there is no resurrection of the dead. If that be so, if that be so, then here are some things that I want you to realize. That if there be no resurrection, then Christ is not risen. In verse 14, And if Christ be not risen then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also vain. Now I know that the Bible says that God chose by the foolishness of preaching that some might be saved. I realize that what I'm doing, standing behind what I consider this sacred, holy desk, to be a man, just a sinful man like I am, and be called by God to stand behind this podium and to, to preach the Holy Word of God to me is the greatest calling on the face of the earth. There is no higher calling than that on earth. Not, not President of the United States or anything else on the planet. I don't care who you are and what you do. I wouldn't trade jobs with anybody on the planet for any amount of money. I'm just saying that this is the greatest thing that I believe any human being could possibly be called to do. And yet God says that in His eyes He understands that it is foolishness. God chose by the foolishness of preaching. Why is it foolishness? Because God does not need preachers. God does not need me. God does not need you. He didn't create us because He had a need. He created us because He was worthy of glory and honor. And He created a creature that would bring Him glory and honor one way or the other. Whether you go to heaven or you go to hell, you're still going to bring God glory and honor. One for His mercy and His grace for saving you. The other for His justice and His holiness for sending those to hell that reject Him. But my friend, God is who this is all about. 
And it's about His glory and His honor, and He doesn't need preachers, and He certainly doesn't need preaching to save those that He wants to save. But God chose by the foolishness of preaching that some might be saved. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. That means it's powerless. It's useless. It will not have any impact on anybody if Christ was not risen from the grave. Then in verse 15, it says, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be, that the dead rise not. So what He's saying is this. Not only is preaching foolishness, but it is in vain. It doesn't do anybody any good. And yea, even we who are standing behind this podium preaching the resurrection of Christ, we are false witnesses of God. If God didn't raise His Son from the dead. That means that everything that I say from behind this pulpit is not only powerless, useless, vain, has no impact in anybody's life, but that... I actually make God Himself a liar. Yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He raised up not, if so be that the dead rise not. And if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. That if everything that I'm telling you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, especially concerning His resurrection coming out of that tomb, is false, then everything that we believe is false, and we yet remain in our sins. We're lost. Verse 18, Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. All of those loved ones that we have confidence in, of one day getting to see, Again, on the other side, they're hopelessly lost as well as we are hopelessly lost. And not only are they lost and not only are we lost, but my hope of ever seeing them again, that hope is lost. In verse 19, it says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, hope in the resurrection, we are of all men most miserable. Now, in other words, if I'm wrong about the resurrection of Christ, uh, we, we need to just go out and eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. And there is no resurrection after this life. There is no life after this death. There is nothing except obliteration, cessation of existence. And we may as well go out like all of the rest of the world and just enjoy what life we have in this world because this would be the closest thing that we would ever see to heaven. But you look at verse 20. And it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept or sleep. May I say this? That while it is true that those that are lost out there that are not living their lives for the glory and honor of God that are living their lives for themselves, this is the closest thing that they'll ever see to heaven. But for those of us who have put our faith and trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just His resurrection, but it's His birth, His life, 33 years sinless, perfect life that He lived for me. See, it takes sinless perfection for me to get to heaven. I know I'm not sinlessly perfect. So God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to live a sinless, perfect life for me. 
So now I am sinless, as sinless as God is sinless, because Christ lived a sinless life on my behalf. And His sinless life is accredited to me. And my sin was imputed unto Him. And He hung on the cross and shed His blood and died in my stead. He took my place. He caught my bullet. He died for me that I might live. And then He went to the cross, shed His blood and died and rose again from the dead that I might be justified. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now wait a minute. I know other people that rose from the dead in the Bible before Christ did. Yes, but they had to die again. Christ was the first to be raised from the dead that never had to die again. And one day, I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all, it's appointed and a man wants to die. You have an appointment. You'll not be early. You'll not be late. You'll be on time for your appointment. You'll show up. It's not an appointment that you made. It's an appointment that God made. And if God made the appointment, I promise you, He will have you there on time. And you'll stand before God and give an account of your life and how you lived it. But it says in verse 21, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. You know, the first Adam, death came by Adam. In the day that you eat thereof, you'll surely die. And he ate and he died. Did he die physically? No, he lived over 600 years after he ate that fruit. But when he, when he ate that fruit, he died spiritually. Death is separation. He was separated from God because of his sin. My friend, do, do you understand there are millions if not billions of, of dead people walking around on this planet today? They're physically alive, soulishly active, but they are spiritually dead, separated from God. And their only hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by grace through faith and the finished work of Christ on the cross, not only the finished work of Christ on the cross, the work of Christ was not finished on the cross. The work of Christ wasn't finished in His 33 years sinless perfect life. The the work of Christ was finished at the resurrection when He ascended back to His throne at the right hand of God the Father. And now He rules and reigns from on high. And He's going to return. For since by one man, Adam, came death or sin into the world, verse 21, by man, Christ, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now don't get your hopes up. Because I mean hell is a real place and there are real people going to a real hell. That does not mean that every man, woman, boy and girl shall be made alive in Christ. But that every man, woman, boy and girl that has faith in the finished work of Christ shall have life instead of death. In verse 23 it says, But every man... In his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Boy, I look forward to that day. That there will be more, no more death, no more heartache, no more suffering, no more pain, no more, no more death. My friend, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. 
And we need to be sharing the gospel of Christ with everybody. Every The Bible says to preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. And I see a lot of creatures in here. But, but boy, I mean, there's a lot of creatures out in this world uh, that don't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to come to church on some lake bank, you know, out in, uh, in a little, little community in Louisiana. They're, they're just not looking for the Lord any more than I was looking for Him 34 years ago. But I, I want you to notice what Paul said, if Christ be not risen. And I have four things here, and I'll close. But I have four things here that I want you to realize that the resurrection proves that because Christ rose from the dead, these things are truths. The resurrection of Christ proves that truth is stronger than a lie. According to the fourth gospel, that's the gospel of John, Jesus said to his enemies in John chapter 8 and verse 40, he says, now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you what? He told us the truth. He told them the truth. These were the religious but lost Pharisees, Sanhedrin, um, Sadducees of the day. They, they were religious. They went to church. They went to the tabernacle. But, but they, didn't, they didn't believe in God. You know, I am the resurrection and the life. Believest thou this? Well, there was a lot of people even back then. Martha and Mary and the disciples. They didn't, they didn't believe. They went to the tomb to anoint the dead body of Jesus Christ on the first Easter morning, on resurrection morning. They didn't believe until that tomb was empty. Thomas didn't believe. He said, I won't believe until I put my finger in the nail branch, put my hand in his side. And then just a little later, he saw Christ and he says, Oh, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thou believest, Thomas, because you see. Blessed are those who believe, though they have not seen. Now I know that there's a world of people who believe today and have not seen. And they are blessed. But I'll tell you this, that now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth. And there's a lot of people who have heard the truth. As a matter of fact, you've heard more truth from behind this pulpit this morning than half the world has ever heard in their life. And yet there's a lot of people, probably even a few in this room, that'll walk away believing a lie rather than believing the truth. But it is the resurrection that proves that the truth is stronger than the lie. Because it is the truth of Jesus Christ. Not my truth, your truth, His truth, her truth, or their truth. But it's the truth of God. It is the Word of God that ultimately has the power. And it is stronger than the lie of the world that says, Yea, hath God said. Isn't that what Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden when they said we're not supposed to eat of the fruit of the middle of the garden? In the day that we eat thereof, we'll surely die. Yea, hath God said those things? He knows that if you eat the fruit, you won't fall down. You'll fall up. You won't die. You'll be a little more alive than you've ever been in your life. And that was a lie. But my friend, listen, that brought death into the world by believing the lie. But by believing the truth of Christ, it brings resurrection life. It resurrects the person who has bitten, been bitten by the serpent. Secondly, not only the resurrection proves that truth is stronger than a lie, but the resurrection proves that good is stronger than evil. Aren't you glad that good ultimately wins the day? I know you turn on the TV today and you doubt that. You look at what's going on in the government today, in the world today, in the street today, and everything that's going on around us, and you think that, oh my world. Well, I, I'm, I am almost sorry 
for the children that are being born into our world today. Now, I know that God is going to be there for them the way that He is there for us, and He can reach in their hearts, illuminate, regenerate, draw, and save. He can put a hedge of protection around. But my friend, I'm telling you that we are headed for a world of pain and trouble in this world. And it's scary. But I am thankful that ultimately I have read the end of the book and I know how this story ends. I know what ultimately is going to happen. That God wins. God's people wins. The church, the children of God will have the ultimate victory. Good is stronger than evil. Again, I want to quote the fourth gospel um, where Jesus is represented as saying to His enemies, You are the Father of the devil. You are of your father, the devil. Now you see, I want you to realize, if you don't realize, if you don't hear anything else I say, not everybody in, in the world is a child of God. Now I know you say, well, we've all been created by God. Well, we've been procreated. God had created Adam and Eve and then He sent them forth to multiply. And we've been procreated by, by God. But Jesus Himself looked at these Pharisees and religious lost people of the day and told them, "You are, listen, if you were of, your, if you were of God, or you were of your father Abraham, you would rejoice in my day. You would be glad that I am here. But because you are of your father the devil, you hate me. You want to see me die. The forces of evil is what crucified Christ. And if there had been no resurrection, those forces would have ultimately had the victory. But they did not. And the resurrection of Christ is the evidence of that. The resurrection proves that love is stronger than hatred. Love is stronger than hatred. Jesus was the incarnate love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But God so loved the world that He gave. You see, love is not what you say. Love is what you do. And God loved us in what He did. What did He do? He gave. What did He give? His Son. God the Son is the incarnate love of God the Father. And I'm telling you that the love of God cannot fail. The love of God cannot be defeated by the enemy of hatred. On that other hand, those who caused His crucifixion, they had a bitter hatred for Christ. Well, you see that you see that in the world today. There are people in this world, it, it's okay if you preach Islam. You, you can say anything you want to about Buddha, Shintoism, Hare Krishna, any, any religion you can pick. They're, they're fine with that. As a matter of fact, you can even talk about you know the church and, and the Bible and things, but don't mention the name of Christ. When you mention the name of Jesus, boy, I'll tell you what, not only the demons of hell howl, but the whole world does. They hate that name. It hurts their, hurts their heart. It sets their, their teeth on edge. The resurrection is the proof that love is triumphant over all that hatred could and would and has a desire. Listen, that hatred of Christ still wants to kill you. If you are a Christian, Satan hates you. Satan hates your children. Satan hates the church. Satan hates anything that anybody has to do with God. He can't get to God. He can't touch the Son. 
He, he murdered him. He hung him on a cross and killed him, but he rose from the dead and he can't do anything about it. So what he wants to do is hurt anything that he loves. And if he loves you, he's coming after you. If God loves you, Satan is coming after you. He wants to destroy you and your home and your family and your confidence and your faith. He might not win your soul if you're saved, but he can win your testimony. He, he can so damage your mind and your heart that you won't want to go out and tell anybody else about the resurrection of Christ. Well, fourthly, the resurrection proves that life is stronger than death. When I was dead, you know, I was physically alive. I understand that. I was soulishly somewhat active. My mind, will, and emotions, that's the soul. They were intact uh, to some degree. But I was, I, was, I was spiritually dead, separated from God. Death is separation. And uh, when the inside of me separates from the outside of me, that's going to be physical death. When the entire me was separated from God, that is spiritual death. And ultimately, God showed up, reached in my heart, and illuminated my mind, regenerated my soul, drew me to Himself, and I was saved. That salvation is the bringing back together of what was separated by sin. But God moved in my heart and drew me to Himself. And the life that I used to live in the flesh, when I was dead, See, what I'm saying is that life is stronger than death. And for the life that I have now to be stronger than the death that I was living in then, it has to be very strong because I was, I was oh so corrupt. I was oh so wicked. I was oh so dead. I was so lost. I was so separated from God. You know, the Bible says that those who have, have been given much love the most. I think that that may... Be true, especially since it's in the Bible. <laughs> but I know what God has done for me. I knew who I am. I know where I came from. I know what He did to reach into my heart and to change my destiny from hell to heaven. I know what it was that Christ went through to pay the debt for my sin because my debt was so great. His price that He paid had to be greater than my debt. And the life that He gave me has to outshine outshine the death that I lived back then. See, I was not embarrassed. I was not ashamed of who I used to be. I would stand on a mountaintop and pound my chest, proclaim my life and my power and my authority and my ability to do the things that I want to do and dared anybody to get into my way. Didn't care. My friend, does that sound like the life we live for Christ? That we will stand up and take a stand for the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives in a lost and dying world? That we're willing to pound our chest and say, it's God, it's the Christ, it's the Lord that liveth in me, for I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness cometh by my works, then Christ died in vain, and He may as well have stayed dead for all the good that it did me. My friend, I know that there is a resurrection because I know the power of the resurrection that it took to change not only my life in this world, but my destination in the next and if God can touch my heart, illuminate my mind, regenerate my soul, draw me to Himself, and save me, there is not a corrupt, dead human being on the face of this earth that He cannot have His will and His way in. 
that he cannot wake up just by speaking the word to their heart. My heart's desire is that you come into that love relationship, that intimate relationship with a living, risen Savior. If you have that relationship, then everything in your life is different. You can never go back to who you used to be. If you're still living the same old life, thinking that I have a place waiting for me in heaven because I believe in God, let me tell you, the devil also believes. Thou believest there's one God, the devil also believes and trembles. And he is not going to heaven just because he believes in God. Faith is not belief. Belief is not faith. You have to believe in order to have faith. But faith is the next step. It is the surrender of everything that you are to everything that He is. Then and then only will He come to take up residence on the inside of you and old things pass away. That is what the resurrection of Christ was for. First of all, to bring glory and honor to God. The Son was obedient to the Father for His glory and His honor. Secondly, that we might have life in that more abundantly. Here in this life, in this world. Paul insisted that the resurrection of Jesus was, was, was not just a fact. Or if, if the resurrection of Jesus was not a fact, then, then the whole Christian message was based uh, on, a, on a dream, on a fable, on a lie that humanity dreamed up. My, my friend, have you ever read the whole Bible? Have you gone through this and read the stuff that is in between the covers of that book? I'm telling you that man can't make this stuff up. This is from God. And I understand that it's 66 books written by 40 different men over a 1500 year period of time on three different continents and three different languages. There's not another book on the face of the planet that can brag about the things that the Word of God is, has the truth to stand behind. But it's not really, you search the Scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life, but they are they which speak of Me. It's not about the Bible, it's not about the cross, it's not about the blood, it's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God. And when we surrender our lives to Him, and only then do we have eternal life. If it was based on just a lie, the whole Christian message is also a lie. And many thousands have died trusting in a delusion. In a delusion and they're lost. Separated from God without any value. Take away the resurrection, He said, and you destroy both the foundation and the fabric of Christianity. You understand the resurrection is the foundation of Christianity. If it's not true, Nothing else matters. But there was a man named John Whale, and he said this, and I'll close. The Gospels do not explain the resurrection. You can't read the Gospels and hope that the Gospel, the Word of God, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are going to explain to you or expound to you the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Gospels do not explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains the Gospels. Belief in the resurrection is not an appendage of the Christian faith. The resurrection is the Christian faith. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your love and for Your mercy. We thank You for this opportunity that we've had again to be in Your house on this resurrection day. God, they call it Easter. That, uh, that is only found one place in Your Word. 
We know that it was a mistranslation. The word Easter comes from the word Ishtar, which was the goddess of fertility. That's where bunny rabbits and Easter eggs come from. God, this is not Easter. This is Resurrection Day. And Lord, we want to worship You for who You are and what You've done. That You not only gave up heaven, put on flesh, and became a man. You not only lived a 33-year sinless, perfect life and shed Your blood and died for our sin, but You rose again from the dead for our justification. Help us, God, not to die for You. We will if we, we must. But God, You've not asked us to do that, but You have asked us to live for You. Help us, God, to be willing to live, to sacrifice our lives for Your glory and Your honor. And we'll praise You for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take a hymn.